There are problems in our practical walk and prayer life when we do not view both our prayer and practical walk as a privilege of God. That we get to talk to Him and we get to walk with Him. You see, when we pray in the flesh, it becomes this great laborious work and it's drudging and it's difficult and, and we try in our flesh. And I can tell you if you're praying in the flesh or not. And here's how I can tell you if you are. If you prayed and say, all right, well, I prayed this morning, so let's move on to the next step. We often do that, and what that is is nothing more than praying in the flesh. And we wonder why then the rest of the day is kaput. We wonder why we feel powerless, and we wonder why we feel little fellowship and communion with God. It's because praying in the Spirit draws us and shows us and reveals us the privilege that it is to know God, to be right standing before Him. Ian Bounds writes, Prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed. If prayer for you and me becomes something that we have to do and not get to do, then it loses everything. If church becomes a thing that you have to do and not get to do and be a part of, then you've lost it and you may as well just pack it up. But rather, instead of packing it up, what we must do is we come now to this place where we see that we, in this passage we're going to look at today, that we return to this privilege of prayer. You see, if you don't enjoy prayer, there's a problem. It used to be a time and a period in church history not so long ago that prayer meetings were just that. They were prayer meetings. It used to be a time even up in these mountains where you got together you prayed, and that's all you did. And you didn't have to go, well, I don't know what to pray for. Well, I don't know who to pray for. Or I don't want to pray with anybody. I don't want them to hear how I pray. Or I don't want them to watch me pray and all these things. Prayer used to mean something. People used to be dependent upon it and see such privilege that it was and used to enjoy prayer. You see, if we don't enjoy prayer tells us that we really don't enjoy God. What is prayer anything more than being in the presence and communion and fellowship with the Lord our God? To not enjoy prayer is to say that you don't enjoy God. To not enjoy God means that you don't know God and you must be born again. How few believers today, or how few people who call themselves Christian today, actually enjoy more than half a moment of a day with God. We've got marriages that are crumbling and families that are in despair much because there's little time spent to build the marriage or to build the family. But imagine this now spiritually if we spent the same time and effort in prayer as we do with our wives and our children. You see, if we enjoyed prayer as much as we do a ball game or a concert or whatever our favorite thing to do is outside of these walls, if we enjoyed prayer as much, imagine what our walks would look like. We must never neglect the privilege of prayer. F.B. Meyer wrote once, the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Today, may we see this today, that we have a privilege to pray, and may we continue in such. I want to look at, first of all, today in verse number 16, the phrase, let us therefore come. When we talk about the privilege of prayer, we first of all have to understand that we have an invitation to pray. Some folks don't come to Bible study or Sunday school because they think they need a, a cordial invitation. Here it is. 
Some folks don't go to the Lord in prayer because they think they need a cordial invitation. Well, if you want one, here it is. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. To come. It is the word pros erkomai. Pros meaning facing or toward. And erkomai meaning to come or coming. It is to come facing forward. To approach. To come near or to draw near to God. I want you to know today, whether you are a sinner or a saint today, God has told you to come today. And there's an invitation. If you're a sinner today without Christ, the invitation is come and be born again. Put your trust in Jesus and be saved. Today, if you are saved, the invitation is still very much there. Come to the Lord. It is this God of heaven who invites us into His presence. It is the God of heaven who is not dependent upon our prayers, but directs a work and sends forth His blessings through prayer. And He desires that we would pray. He invites us to do so. And to not pray is to say no to the invitation of God. What we often think about with prayer is that, well, we've got to check it off or I've only got to go when things are bad or have gone awry in my life. But rather, what we see and miss sometimes is that this is a great invitation that we can come. And if we can come to the Lord, then we must come to the Lord. As we've seen this morning, there's not a thing that you and I can, can, can do in our life on our own without the Lord. As we know this, that we as we need Him every moment, every hour, every second. And to say that we don't has made ourselves blasphemers and idolaters at heart, believing that we are bigger and stronger than what we really are. Prayer is showing a faithful dependence and showing where your faith truly is. And when God invites us to pray to Him, when God invites us to fellowship and communion with Him, who in the world are we to say No. How sad, and I believe greatly, that the reason why most of our churches and most of our lives, most of our own hearts are in the shape that they're in is because we have forgotten the great invitation that God has allowed us to come to Him and to know Him. We don't serve a God who is unknowable, but rather one who is noble, that we might know, know all things about Him, but yet we might know Him personally. The word proserkomai, to come, it is in the present tense. It means to come and then keep coming. You have an invitation not only to pray when you come to church or to pray at, the, at your meals or to pray when you go to bed at night or to pray when you wake up in the morning, but you have an invitation to come to the throne of grace both now and over and over and over again. The door is open. The invitation is always open and available and God keeps an open door policy. He does not need you to show up to this church go into some confessional, do a little knock, and then go, I need you to pray for this on my No, I'll pray for you, but you yourself, if you know Christ right now, in this moment, can go to God. Directly to His throne. What a privilege it is that me, that I, being just dust and dirt, vile in my flesh, can go and speak to the Lord. See, we're invited to continuously draw near to the throne. Draw near to the ear of God and to the heart of God to daily, continuously throughout each day, know Him. Fellowship with Him. But I want you to know that there is access to that only through the atoning, the atoning work of Christ. 
You see, in the Old Covenant, turn with me now to Exodus chapter 19. There's a stark contrast. They had the tabernacle and the temple, of which was cut off to where not just any old Joe Schmo could walk inside, let alone walk into the place where God's presence was called the Holy of Holies. As a matter of fact, no one could walk in there except the, the high priest each year on the Day of Atonement, and he had to go a certain way lest he die. But as we come to Exodus 19 for just a moment, we're going to look at verses 8-24. through 24. Here, God is about to give them the Ten Commandments. He is speaking from Mount Sinai, and here's the description of what this looks like. Verse number 8, And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Boy, if that would have been the history of Israel, that would have been great. If that would be you and I, if we were to say and to keep that word, God, I will do what you say, you'd be in a whole lot better shape. But nevertheless, and Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. The Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come to thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as a smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly. When the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. The Lord God came down upon the Mount Sinai, and on the top of the mountain, the, the Lord God called Moses up to the top of the mountain. Moses went up, and the Lord said unto Moses, Go down and charge the people, lest they break through unto the, unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And let the priests also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds about the mount and sanctify it. Then after the giving of the Ten Commandments, verse 18 and 19 of chapter 20, And all the people saw the thunderings and lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they were moved and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. Here, this was a time and a moment as God is about to give His law, that He gives His overwhelming presence. He covers the mountain in a cloud. Why? So that they might not see all of His glory and all that He is. Because if man sees God, he will die. For God is holy and man is unholy. 
God is righteous and man is unrighteous. And he even gets to where he tells them if they even touch it, they'll die. And yet you and I, through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, at any moment, and nay, I would say at every moment, have the privilege to go to God. May we never forget such a privilege. Turn with me now back to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. You see, that was the old covenant. That was the old way. That was the way in which man, no matter who he was, what he was, he couldn't get to God. As a matter of fact, it was such a place in such a way that if you even touched it, went about this the wrong way, you would die. And look at this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 through 24. The writer of Hebrews reminds us and goes back to that time in Exodus 19, and here's what he says. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of the words which voice that heard entreated that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. We just read that. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terribly was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. We just read that in Exodus 19 and 20. But look at this. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. We now have access, an open access, through the invitation that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ to go to God in prayer. And I would say that sadly most of us look at prayer and approaching God more like Exodus 19 than we do Hebrews 12. We must understand that yes, God has not changed and He's still the same God from Exodus 19 to Hebrews 12, but through Christ, the invitation is open and you and I go to a greater mount, one that is not to be touched with hands, but rather one that by faith we go directly to the throne of grace. Thomas Watson once said, Prayer is the soul's traffic with heaven. God comes down to us by His Spirit and we go up to Him by prayer. As the Spirit draws us to God, and He will if you are truly born again, the Spirit will continuously draw you to the Lord. But if you are not going in prayer, then you will not meet with God and do not expect God to meet with you. Prayer is this beautiful place where we get to meet and fellowship with God, but you will never do so unless you say yes to the great invitation that is of this privilege of prayer. So many of us, though, get into the habit of beating ourselves up over prayer and we go, Oh, well, I'm just bad at prayer. I don't pray enough. I don't this. I believe that we could shuck a lot of that and understand this, that there is an invitation. And so if you are going to pray, it's because you say yes to the invitation through Christ that is already there. But if your prayer life is a mess or if your prayer life is hardly there, know this, it is not that the Lord has not invited you to come, but it is that you have said no to His invitation. And that invitation is not just for those times when you have something bad or bad news or things are not going right or that you are in a time of need. But if we were to understand that truly in every moment we are in a time of need, 
then we would go and say yes to the Lord in this. Are we neglecting the invitation to pray? As we go back now to Hebrews 4.16, not only do we have an invitation, let us therefore come, but now we have an intercessor to boldly go to the throne of grace. The word boldly here is of interest. There are some who take this and they go to such an extreme that they say that we go and we declare what God should give us and we tell God who, uh, what, what He should do for us and we tell God um, what He's going to do for us and we can name and claim things. I want you to know that's a bunch of hogwash. Let's still remember that it, it is God that we are approaching. But what does this word boldly mean? I, I believe it is important that we understand it. That it does not mean some sort of arrogance or cockiness but rather it is a confidence and freedom to speak and say all things freely. How can I, as the sinful worm and wretch as I, accept the invitation to God and then be able to speak to Him freely? He's God. I'm not. He's Creator. I'm creation. How can I speak freely? Not because of who I am. Not because of what I have done. Because it was based on those things, I would never be able to have a moment in time with God let alone to commune at any moment and any time and be able to spend eternity with Him. So how can we have this boldness or this confidence to go to the throne of grace? Because of our intercessor. You see, we only have bold prayers though as we trust in the Spirit of God. As we pray in the Spirit of God. Why? Because what does the Spirit do? As we talked about in Sunday school this morning, the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. He points us to the truth that is found in Christ. He points me continuously saying, I can get... When the devil says you can't pray, you've sinned too much. When my own heart deceives me, the Lord, even the Holy Spirit within my heart tells me that I can, not because of what I've done or haven't done, but because of what and who Christ is. Because of what He's done. Because of who He is. Because I have an intercessor who has made a way when there was no way. Because I have an intercessor who came from heaven to die in my stead and to raise again to offer this hope of eternal life, but as well as the life that I which now live. It is through Christ. It is Christ in me. It is no longer I that live. And so, for us, we've got to understand that now in prayer, we are not to be able to be in this place to, to boldly go, to boldly pray, to confidently pray. Is that now that we don't have to hold back or draw back in fear, but rather when we pray, we pray through faith and trust and confidence in the Lord. No longer do we have to have an Exodus 19 sort of prayer life, but now we get to have an Exodus 4 and 12 prayer life that Christ has accomplished what I could not, and therefore, because He is my intercessor, I can go to the Lord, the throne of grace. How else do I know this? Well, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 here is going to show us a little bit about this. Because of Christ, my intercessor, I am no longer just a pauper beggar who will never have an audience with the King. But rather now, we are sons and daughters and joint heirs with Jesus who may now freely go to God our Father and pray. We often look at ourselves and think of ourselves as so low that we can't pray or we think of ourselves so high that we don't need to pray. And yet in Christ there is this great richness of His grace that we can go to God. Romans 8.14 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you are in Christ, you are a child of God today. That position will never change. And by the way, the practical outworking of your Christian life is not so much about their practical outworking, but rather it is the practical flowing from the positional. It is the positional that is the practical thing to know and to remember and to understand and to understand that we are His and to abide in Him. And that now He says in verse 15, He moves on in this, He says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Well, what, what did we have at Exodus 19? You think they were afraid a little bit? They shrunk back in fear. They could not approach God. And yet through Christ our intercessor, He says in verse 15, He goes on, He says, But ye have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you are saved today, you are the child of God. And there's nothing that will ever change that. Nothing you do. Because it was nothing that you did to become the child of God. It was nothing that you can do to not become or to be unadopted. God is not in the unadopting business. He's in the adoption business through His Son, Jesus Christ. Those He saves, He keeps saved. Those He saves, He sanctifies. Those He sanctifies, He glorifies. Those He knows and those that are His and those that are in Him and those that He is in, there is no longer any condemnation. There is no longer any separation. There is now, instead of us being just a a, a pauper or, or a beggar, now we are children of God who can go to Him. If we were to think about an old kingdom, there were the paupers and the beggars of the kingdom who could never just walk in to the throne room and talk to the king of that land, could they? As a matter of fact, even if they were to try to put in for an appointment, uh, the king wasn't going to go, oh, well, let me slide you out and pencil you in there. It wasn't going to happen. You were a nothing. You were a nobody. You were a slave. You were nothing. But it's different being a pauper or a beggar and being a son or a daughter. You see, the son of the king can speak to the king. Not so much of going, I'm the son and he's my king, but I'm a son and he's my father. He has adopted me. The Lord God has adopted you as his own. Therefore, when he sees you, he no longer sees who you once were, who you used to be, and all the filth that you you were. But now he sees his child. And we now have this access through our intercessor. He takes us to the throne of grace. You see, to the sinner, the throne is only of judgment. And it is a throne that they will be judged by. And there is no person who has been born who will die that will not face judgment. All will face judgment. But to the saint, The throne is a throne of grace. It is the place where I go for refuge. It is a place where I can go freely and speak freely to the Lord my God who is now my Father. It is the place where I go not just in a time of help and need and for answered prayer, but it is a place where I go for sweet fellowship. It is not just a place of judgment. It is a place where I should desire in my heart of hearts to abide Is there ever been a sweeter place than that than at the feet of Christ? Is there ever a sweeter place than to be in intense fellowship with God and prayer? 
That's where we must abide. That's where we must go. That's where we must keep going. You see, the throne of grace gives grace because of our intercessor. Look at verses 14 and 15. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, we find there, is the, He is the God-man. He is Jesus in the flesh, but He is the Son of God. He is uh, the second person of the Trinity. He is Creator. He is rede- a Redeemer. He is the Messiah. He is Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. We have a high priest who not only went into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement on our behalf and then go and do it again and again. Rather, we have a greater high priest who has entered in once, who has accomplished the work, not by blood, of bulls and goats and rams, but by His own shed blood. Not by the sacrifice or the work of another priest, but rather that He is the great prophet, priest, and king of our eternal redemption. That He is the one who is perfectly representing God, perfectly representing man, because He alone is the God-man to die in our place, to satisfy the wrath of God, to then adopt us, to have access that we can now be reconciled, who were enemies, can now be seated at the table of God our Father and fellowship with Him. We turn to Hebrews 7, verse 22. Hebrews 7, 22 tells us, By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost. Y'all know that song? Save to the uttermost? I know that I am. Boy, that's some good stuff, isn't it, to see. I'm not just saved, and I'm not just a little bit saved. I'm saved to the uttermost because of the blood of Christ. He says that come unto God by Him. Why? Because you will never get to God. You will never get to heaven. You will never get forgiveness outside of our intercessor and through His blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Outside of that is nothing. Outside of that is death. Outside of that is separation and destruction. It is only by Him. Seeing He ever liveth to maketh intercession for them. Not only is He the intercessor to see your salvation, but He is the intercessor to see your sanctification. He is the intercessor to see your glorification. That all of your life and walk is through, in, and by, and for Christ. Our great intercessor. It says, For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. That's our intercessor. Furthermore, Christ has interceded at Calvary to grant our atonement and yet still intercedes for our continual access. Romans 8.34 Who is he that condemneth It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us in the present tense. That means at every moment, every day, 
whether your prayer life is good, bad, ugly, or indifferent, the Lord Himself prays for you. The Holy Spirit prays for you and through you. And if we would understand that our prayer life is such a privilege to know that God desires and has designed prayer for your good and His glory, that we can meet together and know each other and fellowship as we are meant to do. Charles Wesley wrote in the beautiful hymn, Arise, My Soul Arise. He speaks of Christ's intercession and he says, He ever lives above for me to intercede. His all-redeeming love, His precious blood to plead. His blood atoned for all our race. His blood atoned for all our race and sprinkles now the throne of grace. Third, today what we have is this. We not only have an invitation to pray, Not only do we have an intercessor to pray, but we have an inheritance to pray. That we may obtain mercy and find grace. Every moment of your life that you have ever lived, that you are currently living, and that you will ever live in the future is a gift of the grace and mercy of God. Notice that we find grace and mercy oftentimes together because they are together. We're going to look at that now. First of all, what is grace? He says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. So meaning the the throne itself for those who are in Christ, all that you will find when you approach God is grace. How about this? And he says that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. I want to look at grace first as we look here. It is God's unmerited favor. It is a giving of something that is undeserved to undeserving people. And He gives it. Grace is His supernatural enablement and empowerment for our salvation and for our sanctification. And do not think that you only need grace to be saved, but understand that it is grace that sanctifies. It is grace that leads us to the the, the day of being glorified. Your life and my life and every ounce of our life is that of the grace of God of God given to us as a gift much like this privilege of prayer given as this invitation and you will either receive it and enjoy the blessed benefits of it or you will reject such and I would tell you today dear sinner God's grace has been extended to you you've heard the gospel you've gotten to sing songs you you can clearly see here that Christ has made a way when there wasn't a way and God's grace is offered now to us what will we do with it God's grace and prayers offered to us in this invitation that we have daily to make. What will we do with it? See, His grace is greater than all our sin as we sang earlier. His grace is greater and sufficient at all times and for all people and for all things to all who will receive His grace. As He says here in verse 16, find grace to help in time of need. I wish that every one of us would understand that every moment of our life, even when we are on a mountaintop, even when we are doing good spiritually and things are going good and you know bills are paid, we feel caught up and things aren't in total chaos, right? We're living in normal, whatever that is, right? Smooth sailing. That's not a time that you go, well, I don't need grace now. There's never a time or a millisecond in your life that you do not need God 
or you do not need God's grace. Every moment. We find it in this beautiful privilege of prayer. The privilege of prayer gives us the inheritance of God's endless grace and mercy. Oswald Chambers, who wrote one of the greatest devotionals that there is, says that prayer is the exercise of drawing on the grace of God. Dear saint of God, if you only knew the drops of richness of God's grace that is available for you in Christ, and that you would go and keep going and keep going and keep going and to enjoy the grace that is given. So many of us have been saved so long, but we know so little of God's grace and we've become ungracious ourselves. We have rejected God's grace. We have forgotten what it means to truly pray and and to enjoy God and to know Him in this beautiful privilege that is found in this invitation, this intercessor. And we have forgotten the inheritance that is available for us that God desires to give you grace. He doesn't just give you grace one time. Boom, you're saved. There, now it's over. I gave you all the grace I got for you. He's got enough grace not only to save you, but to sanctify you. Why in the world would we try to sanctify ourselves if we can't save ourselves? We must be dependent upon the grace of God. Be gracious. But then mercy. And the two are so sweet when combined together that we may obtain mercy. Grace being the giving of something that is undeserved. Mercy itself is the idea of pity, compassion. I love reading the Gospels where Jesus is walking along and says He had compassion. He had compassion. He had compassion. The Lord and His mercy is unending. And the Lord being an unchanging God, what does that mean about His grace and mercy? It remains unending. And it remains available for you and I today. Since grace is a giving of what is undeserved, mercy is a withholding of what is deserved. God is constantly giving to us His grace and His mercy. And in His mercy, withholding all that we should deserve and all that I deserve is eternal damnation. It is God's grace and mercy that has saved. It is God's grace and mercy that sanctifies me daily and cleanses me within from without. It is God's grace and mercy that will see me home one day to see Him face to face. Mercy not only sees a need, mercy is moved by a need and then moves to meet that need. There's a reason why many churches have what's called mercy ministries and things. It's not just, nor should it ever become something that we just, oh, we've got this and this and this. To extend mercy is to see a need and to be moved by that need that that person cannot help themselves and therefore I will help. When God extends His grace and mercy, what does He do? He gives Himself as the gift. You and I were helpless. We were paupers and beggars. We were those who could never save ourselves. And what does He do? In His mercy, He doesn't just say, well, I'll let him keep slaughtering bulls and goats and rams. No, instead he gives us the perfect lamb of God himself. He gives us himself. 
Titus 3.5 tells us, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Your regenerating moment, the moment you got saved, and your renewing moment, which is to be continually and daily by the renewing of your mind, it is done by the mercy and grace of God. Are you in need today? Enjoy this beautiful privilege of prayer. Receive the grace and mercy that you need for another day, another moment, another hour. Come tomorrow morning, you go to work, you clock in 7, 8 o'clock. By 11 o'clock, you're having a terrible day. You know what you need? Grace and mercy. You know where to find it? Right here. Immediately going to God. You don't have to say, well, I, I can't get grace and mercy until I go back to church, Sunday. No. You can now, through Christ, boldly come unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. As we bring this up to a close this morning, I want us to see the privilege of prayer so that we might begin to experience prayer a whole lot more in our lives because if we understand all that God has done, if we understand all that God is, if we understand this beautiful gift of what it means to be able to simply pray, whether it's a moment or a sweet hour, there's nothing like spending that time with the Lord and Truly, there's nothing that has the time flying by praying in the Spirit of God and being in His presence. The privilege of prayer is found in that invitation that He has given, the intercessor that has given Himself for us and our inheritance, which is that grace and mercy that we need every moment. Do not be so prideful that you will not enjoy the privilege of prayer. That you say, I don't need it. I don't need to pray about this. I've already got the answer. I don't, I don't need to pray about this. I, I can do this. I don't need to pray about this. It's, it's, too, it's so small. I don't need to pray about that. Don't be so prideful. Two, don't find yourself to be so humble saying, oh, I can't go to God in prayer. I sinned yesterday. I messed up this morning, so therefore the rest of my day has got to be messed up. I want you to know this. His grace and mercy is very much there, and your position being His child has not changed. I would ask us today, are we neglecting the gift of grace and mercy? Are we neglecting it by rejecting this invitation to pray, this privilege of prayer? We can find grace and mercy. We can find all that we need, truly, as we experience God in prayer. As we go through the privilege of praying in the Spirit, through the blood of Christ, the Son, to the throne of the Father. I'll end with this today. There's an old hymn that most of us would probably know. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? 
Who will all our sorrow share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despised forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find solace there. Let's all stand this morning. As this piano plays, this altar's open. If you have a need, the invitation is given, not by me, but by God to come and pray and receive the mercy and the grace that you need in this moment, in this hour, in this day. Would you come? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your mercy and Your grace and that we can approach Your throne through the blood of Christ. We thank You for the day that You've given. And Lord, I'm grateful that things went awry, that You might show what church is about. You might show what prayer is about. You might show that it's not about anything else except for meeting with You. God, we thank You for such time. We pray that You would be glorified today in all things that have been said and done. Lord, that You would go with us. God, that we would trust in you, we would walk by faith and not by sight, and that today that you would meet the need of every heart. And Lord, if there's one today who needs to get something right, Lord, that they would not leave this place or put this off, but Lord, that they would now, through Christ, boldly approach your throne of grace and receive what they need in their help in their time of need. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We appreciate that message, Pastor Ed. That was a convict me of some things and encourage me a lot too. So we appreciate that, Pastor. Uh, hymn number 174. 
I will bless thee, O Lord, and we'll be dismissed after this song. The psalmist tells us in 63.4, Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. With the heart of thanksgiving, I will bless thee, O Lord. Now, with her hands lifted up, with my hands lifted up, and a mouth filled with praise, with the heart of thanksgiving, I will bless thee, O Lord. And he said, I was glad in the house of the Lord.